Even though Jesus was God, he was human too. Even though he never sinned against God, even though he was tempted, but never sinned like we sin. Yet he had, and his mother and father, which were human beings, also had to do things just like you and I have to do, and they had to bear things just like we have to bear things. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Raul Reese in Diamond Bar, California. We are glad to have you with us for our continued focus on Jesus, the world's Messiah. Today, Raul will explore Jesus' unique identity as the Son of God who endured the hardships of humanity, yet remained perfectly sinless and divine. We'll see that this dual nature is what qualifies Jesus to be your Savior, one who has felt the weight of the world and is mighty enough to lift it from your shoulders. Let's join Raul Reese now for today's lesson. Now Jesus has been born, and uh, we really don't know uh, how old he is, but uh, there's a rush in having Jesus leave with Mary and Joseph, and they need to go to Egypt. They need to go back to Egypt. Now remember that in the scriptures, Egypt is what? Egypt is a type of the world. And uh, when we speak of redemption, or we speak of the Passover, it started where? It started in Egypt, in the book of Exodus chapter 12. And there's a similarity here between Christ and Moses. When you look at the story here, because as Jesus is born... Immediately when Herod the Great finds out that there's a king that has been born. Remember the three wise men came and, and, and well we say three, there were more than three. There were about 200 that came. Because we say three because of the three gifts. I'll be born as he spoke to the Jews. And the Jews began to open the Bible and began to share with him out of the scriptures of the Old Testament where Jesus was going to be born. And when Herod heard, Herod became jealous. And he told the wise men, hey, go and seek after me. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can come and worship him too. Which he was totally lying about it. He never intended to worship Jesus. He wanted to find Jesus so that he could kill him. And here in chapter 2, beginning with verse 13 to 23, we come now to the second part of the story. And that is the story of the flight of Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus into Egypt as they are warned by the angel. Let's begin by reading chapter 2 and beginning with verse 13. He says, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying... Look, get up and take your young child and his mother and flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Now, as I start reading the story, I started thinking kind of in a human way where I thought, okay, if Jesus is God, why does he have to go to Egypt? 
God can divinely protect him where he's at. But because the word of God has to be divinely what? Divinely fulfilled. You see? And because also Jesus and God the Father wants to show you that even though Jesus was God, He was human too. Even though He never sinned against God, even though He was tempted, but never sinned like we sin. Yet He had, and His mother and father, which were human beings, also had to do things just like you and I have to do. And they had to bear things just like we have to bear things. And here God is pre-warning. And, and again pre-warning who? Joseph and Mary. Because God has a divine perfect will for Jesus. But at the same time the purpose and the work of Satan is to do what? He's come to rob, to steal and to kill. That's what we have to remember constantly. That Satan does not like the people of God. He hates you, and he hates me, and he hates your family. And he hates God. Look what else happens here. As he talks about it in verse 14. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. So instead of going or moving by day, he moves by night. Probably because it was cooler. It's all desert. In the summertime, and it is so hot. And the best time to travel is in the evening, at night, when it's cool. So now they're moving ahead, and they're heading out towards Egypt. Verse 15. And then he was there until the death of Herod. So we don't know how long that was, but he was there until the death of Herod. And notice again, the whole purpose is what? To fulfill the word of God, divinely. Nothing is by coincidence in your life or my life. Nothing. And yet we see here that God Himself always brings to pass through the Scripture exactly what He's always said He would do. Watch what He says, verse 15. And he was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I have called my son. Hosea 11.1. 1. Imagine that. 750 years before this prophecy came to pass, already it was written in the scriptures. God already had written it through the prophet Hosea. And it's so cool because here he's talking a dual prophecy. He's talking about Israel and he's talking about Jesus. Dual prophecy fulfilled. It was fulfilled in Exodus chapter 12. And now it is fulfilled as, who, as Jesus now is divinely protected. And now Jesus will be coming back to the land. Coming out of Egypt. As God had called him to come out. Divinely Appointed by the Lord. And then, in your New King James Bible, you notice it says, I call my son. It's in capital letters, capital M and capital S. Speaking of deity, speaking of Jesus himself. And then again, we see in Hosea 11, 1, the prophecy was, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I have called my son. And here again, when you go back to the Old Testament, Pharaoh had attempted to do what? Pharaoh was attempting to destroy Israel, even as Herod was appointed to do what? To destroy the child Jesus. 
He wanted to end it up. He wanted to close down the way of the Messiah coming into power. But he couldn't do it. Verse 16, look at now what God will do now. And I'm always amazed because notice what he says, And then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men. Okay, so he says he died, but then at the same time we're going backwards, we're going back to when Herod was alive. Now, in the will of God, when you think of God's perfect will for your life, and I think of the perfect will for my own life, what was the mission that Jesus had from the Father? And when you think of the mission of Jesus, don't just think of Christ, think of your own life. What is your mission that God has given to each one of you until the day you die? I believe that one of the things that we have as a mission together is to pray. That's in the perfect will of God, to pray. Secondly, to read the Bible constantly. To know the word of God so we can have the knowledge of God within our hearts and our minds. And then also, not only to love our family, but to love God with all your heart and all your mind. When you think of the perfect mission that Jesus Christ received in His own personal life, first of all, it was what? To do the will of the Father. In John 6.38 it says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Notice that. Again, divinely. Jesus came to please the Father. And if Jesus came to please the Father, how much more you and I need to please the Lord? That's what it's all about when it comes to the Scriptures. Pleasing the Lord in everything that we say and do. Secondly, His mission was to do what? To save sinners. Just like you and me have been saved. Luke 19.10 For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You see? Jesus Christ didn't come to destroy. He came to build up. He came to save that which was lost. That word lost there, it's in reference to those lost in sin. That they can be found. If they repent, they can find Christ. Thirdly, His mission was to bring an everlasting righteousness. An everlasting righteousness. Daniel 9.24 says, 70 weeks are determined for your people Israel and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring an everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and the prophecy, and to anoint the most holy one. That came to pass, just as God had said it would happen. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. Nothing gives us greater joy than to point you to the saving love of Christ. Call us at 800-634-9165 and visit us at somebodylovesyou.com. You can also download our app for an array of resources to lift your heart and strengthen your faith. Now back to more of today's lesson. Fourthly, the mission of Christ is to destroy Satan's work. 
Hebrews 2.14 says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy Satan, who had the power of death, that is the devil. You see? Satan has been defeated. There's a lot of people that say that Satan will have a second chance. No way will he ever have a second chance. He'll never repent. He'll never have a second chance to go to heaven. He is dust. God already proclaimed it. Then fifthly, his mission also was to fulfill the law of God. To fulfill it. Matthew 5.17 he said, Do not think that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill the law. You see? And the law was what? The schoolmaster that lead us to Jesus Christ. The law condemned us. You see, it made us guilty. And that's why Jesus Christ had to come. That through faith, we can be saved. Six, He came to give life to those that want it. John 10, 28 says, And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. What an eternal security that He gives to us, you know, completely in the Lord. That meant here we are in the presence of God, and we belong to Him. And He belongs to us. The Lord Jesus Christ. So much that He's given to each one of us. And then seventh, to complete revelation. To complete revelation. Hebrews 1, 1 says, God, and who at various times and various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. You see? Thank God for the prophets. Why? Because they wrote about things to come. Even though they never saw it completely come to pass. Yet we in our own lifetime have seen things come to pass. And we continue to see that as God's word is sure. It's a sure thing. The Word of God. You can trust the Bible 100%. You can trust it with your life. Now we come into verses 16 through 18. Where Herod not tries to kill the infants. Look again what he says. And then Herod when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men. He was exceedingly angry. Remember he was always angry. And because of his anger, notice what he says, and he sent forth, and he says to put to death all of the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its districts from two years old and under according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. So we don't know, it was probably a period of two years where he first heard about Jesus being born from the wise men. So what does he do? Okay, the way to get rid of the Messiah, since he lives in Bethlehem, let's kill all the children from birth all the way to two years old. And then we'll get rid of the problem. But you see, God already had gone before Jesus and protected him divinely. Again, Satan trying to cut off the line of the Messiah. But the Lord Jesus Christ being protected divinely by the Father. Then look at verse 17 again, the word of God. And then he says, was fulfilled that which was spoken again by the prophet Jeremiah. Here again, Jeremiah 31.15. So what is he doing? Matthew is so incredible. He's always backing up everything by what? By scripture. Now God said this and here it is. He's completing what he said. So that God is not a liar. You see? He says what he's going to do and he does it. And what did he say? Verse 18. A voice was heard in Ramah. 
Lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Now the prophecy here is in reference to the weeping prophet. Did you know that Jeremiah the prophet is the only prophet in the Old Testament that all of his life, out of 52 years, that he proclaimed the message to the people of God, in 52 years, not one comfort in his ministry. How would you like to have a ministry like that? Never to see anybody come to God. He was called the weeping prophet. Because you have to read the lamentations of Jeremiah. They're incredible. The weeping prophet. And here again, lamentation to who? Here is Rachel weeping for her children. The prophecy here is referring to, first of all, the captivity in Babylon. And then what? The slaughtering of the children by the Babylonians, but also the wiping out now of Herod and the infants. Dual prophecy again. The Babylonians killed the children, and now here is Herod killing the children. And so God again backing up everything through the word of God. Why? Because again, God wants to make sure that we understand That the word of God is true. And whatever God says in his word. He will come to a complete fulfillment in it. Always. He never messes around when he speaks concerning the truth of God. Now when you see the character of Jesus. You know not only that he's the redeemer of the world. But the way you look at the character of Jesus. First of all he is what? He is a holy God. That's one of his characteristics. That he is holy. Right when he was born, the angel, Gabriel, announced this. In Luke one thirty-five. the angel answered and said unto Mary, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Notice from the womb, Jesus was already the Holy One of God. The Holy One of God, Jesus. Secondly, we see that He is righteous in character. Righteous. Isaiah 52, 11, the prophet Isaiah, 750 years before, He said, Depart, depart, go out from there, touch no unclean thing, go out from the midst of her, be clean, you who bear the vessels of the Lord. You who bear the vessels of the Lord, be righteous. And thirdly, he was just. Zechariah 9.9, another prophecy. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, a fowl of a donkey. In his character as just. It's in reference to what? When Jesus Christ entered the city of Jerusalem in Matthew chapter 21. On his way to the cross on Palm Sunday. And they were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna to the Holy One. Here the prophet Zechariah tells you that Jesus was just in character. And then fourthly, he tells you that he is guileless. He is spotless. First Peter 2.22 says, Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Another characteristic, fifthly, he is spotless. 1 Peter 1.19, But with the precious blood of Jesus Christ as the Lamb, without blemish and without spot. You see? 
The blood of Jesus Christ is perfect. It's able to cleanse you from all sin. And then six, he is innocent in character. Matthew 27, 4 says, He said, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? You go see about it. Judas himself proclaimed it from his own mouth. I have betrayed innocent blood. Jesus was innocent the whole time. Then again, look at the third part of the message. Verse 19 now to 23. Not from Egypt, they go to Nazareth. So they're not going back to Bethlehem, and that's where the children are going to be killed, but they're going to Nazareth now. They had about a 100 mile journey from Jerusalem to Nazareth. And here they're going from Egypt now. And now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Now, notice that how God goes all of the way with you. Here he sends them, he says, don't worry about it. Now he comes back to you and reassure them that Herod now is dead. And by the way, Herod is dead, but his son Achilles is now ruling. Notice what he's going to tell them. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, said, Arise and take the young child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who saw the young child now are dead. Notice the ones that wanted to kill him, they're all dead. And then he rose up. He took the young child and his mother. What is Joseph doing in Mary? They're being obedient to the word of God. They rose up and they started to go. And they went back into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Now notice the human aspect in the life of Joseph that even though he's the father of Jesus, not his stepfather, Mary is the mother of Jesus, and God the Father is the true Father. Yet, we see the human side of Mary and Joseph, where actually Joseph is afraid. There's fearfulness in him. Just like any one of us here. How many times we become fearful, even though God has given us His Word. But perfect love casts out all fear. And look what he says. And as he was afraid, what does God do? He confirms it again. Hey, don't Worry, Joseph. Here it is. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of the Galilee. Notice again, God leading, God providing, and God speaking to Joseph. He spoke to him through angels, but he's speaking to him through dreams. If you've never received Jesus' gift of salvation, we encourage you to make this life-changing decision today. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. If you'd like to review the lesson you've just heard, call 800-634-9165 and ask for Raul's lesson titled, The Flight to Egypt. Now, for more insight into the perfectly orchestrated plan to rescue us from sin, we'd like to tell you about Rawls' four-part series titled, The Birth of Jesus Christ. Available on either CD or thumb drive, this study provides a look at the deeply profound, highly personal impact of that long-ago night in Bethlehem. You'll see that when Jesus was born in a humble stable, He brought the glory of heaven with Him, and His sole goal was to make a way for you to join Him there one day. 
To order Rawls' four-part series titled The Birth of Jesus Christ, visit SomebodyLovesYou.com or call 800-634-9165. We'll send you the CD collection for a gift of $18 or the USB drive for a gift of $10. That's 800-634-9165. Or write us at Somebody Loves You Radio, P.O. Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. We invite you to explore our many free resources. Join Roll for Scripture-Rich Straight Talk every Tuesday at 10 a.m. West Coast time. You can also browse iTunes and Spotify for podcasts of all of these programs. And if you'd like to email Roll directly with prayer requests and Bible questions, his address is pastorroll at somebodylovesyou.com. And if you'd like to begin a personal relationship with Jesus but aren't sure how to take that step, we'd love to pray with you. Call us at 800-634-9165. Don't forget, this is a listener-supported ministry. Every tax-deductible gift enables us to keep sharing God's truth, and we're thankful for our generous partners. Thanks again for making us a part of your day today. It's truly a blessing to study the Word of God with you, and we hope you'll join us again next time to consider the Lord's matchless goodness and love. Here's Raul with a closing thought. Look what it says, verse 23. And then he came and he dwelt in a city called Nazareth. And this is where Jesus grew up as a carpenter. This is where Joseph was. But look what he says. Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, he shall be called a Nazarene. And so here we see Jesus being called a Nazarene, or the separated one, where we believe that the word Nazarios comes from the word Nazarite, to be separate, but from the Hebrew word Netzer in the Hebrew, which means a branch. And we believe that that's a prophecy that is bringing about that Jesus would be called the what? The branch, the Nazarene. And again, notice the word of God coming to fulfillment here. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.